Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Why does making friends as an adult feel so What hard? should I wear on a first date? What the date? hell is a foreign But that article was not good. So what do I want my life to look like in five years? We, we want to know too. Since 2012, the Every Girl has been an online destination to help women around the world achieve the life of their dreams. Now, we're excited to bring you the same inspiring content with the Every Girl Podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Every Girl Podcast. I am your host, Elena Kaz, and I am here with my co host, Josie Santi. Hey, Josie. Hello. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Elena, I'm so excited to chat with you again because I feel like it's been so long since we've chatted over the mic and we've had a Elena Josie mashup time. I know, I know. I've like I said, I've been loving listening to all the episodes that I'm not on. You, it's just such amazing conversations y'all have been having. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I wanted to get you on going into this episode just to kind of gauge your thoughts and and introduce the audience to what we're going to be talking about today, which is a topic I'm so excited about. Uh, as soon as we started brainstorming the podcast, I was like, we need to talk to our audience about real estate and the home buying process because I just remember what it was like being in my 20s and that whole experience feeling so intimidating. It seemed impossible. It seemed so far out of reach. And I hate that. And like now that I'm in my 30s and I've gone through the process twice, I really want to open up the conversation and just, you know, as much as we can like educate and inform and and demystify the process to people in their 20s, that's really was my goal with this first episode. I think it's an episode that's so broad we can come back to and get into all the different minutiae and there's just so much that goes into it. But I mean, I'm just, okay. So I guess I'm just really curious. I really wanted to hear from you. You just turned 27, correct? I did, just turned. Happy belated birthday. I know it was a little yeah. bit ago, but um, I'd love to know where you're at. So I know you're, you live in Los Angeles. Uh, you currently rent, correct? Yes, currently rent. And obviously, I mean, I know I, I feel like I keep hearing from every person saying the market right now is crazy. And oh, yeah, I really understand that. They talk about that in this episode, which is very helpful. But I know, especially the market in LA is like nuts, as anyone who watches mm-hmm. Selling Sunset knows. But it, it really <laughs> is like so. I mean, real estate in general is overwhelming, but especially in LA where it's like, the small, tiny little house next to me is like over a million dollars, you know, like it, it's oh my God. Yeah. a crazy market. So um, I'm very much new to all of this topic, but it, so it's something that mm-hmm. for me, I'm like, oh, that's years away, you know, especially like being in my twenties, I was like buying a house. Who does that? Like that's for when I'm like an adult. And so now that it's like happening, <laughs> when I'm becoming an adult, almost, almost there that I, it is definitely, you know, something that I'm, I'm looking more into, not that it's like, I'm going to go contact a realtor and get started tomorrow, right. but that maybe in my next like five year plan, I should at least yeah. have understanding of what does it mean? So especially having this conversation, it really made me think, you know, it seems like something so far off, but it's something that we all have to just like, at least be aware of because the process could start you know, years in advance of, you know, how much do you have to save? What exactly are you looking for? So I think that this is helpful, not just for people who are, you know, looking to go buy a house tomorrow, but for people who might be in my position where you maybe know in five, 10 years, that's a goal, even though it's way out of my realm of understanding right now, and it's not in my world, but to have that, you know, knowledge to go into it so that you can start planning ahead because adulting is happening. Like we are we're here, ladies. It's happening. We're adults. So to, to have to like think of that five years in your plan. Yeah, I know. I feel like you hit the nail on the head with like, it does not have to be something that you're thinking about in the next year. Even, um, 
I just think having that conversation, educating oneself about what that process even looks like. So to like, like you said, like demystify it. Cause it's like, Oh, that's, that's so far in the future. I don't know anything about it. I don't need to worry about it. But the sooner one can start thinking about it, I feel like having it in the back of your mind can be something like you can start having conversations with people around you, with professionals. And when I say that, I mean like potentially, you know, if you're speaking with a financial advisor, which I know there are so many um, accessible means to having like financial advice now with like online platforms and everything that, you know, it's just like, what's the groundwork I can start laying today so that maybe one day I'll be ready. But I'm just so curious, like, is this something you and your friends ever talk about? No, you know, it's really funny because so I went to school in Florida. So all of my, you know, best friends from college were all kind of spread out all over. So a couple of them have bought a house, which to me is like the most mind blowing thing in the world that that's even <laughs> their lives. And then whereas like for me and other, you know, a couple of us that live in New York and kind of live all over in like more big cities mm-hmm. where it's like real estate, like who, who even is thinking about that? So it's funny being in your twenties because everybody around you is in such different places. Like, you know, you could yeah. have a friend married with kids and you're like trying to travel to Europe for a month. And so because of that, that it's all over, I don't know if I've ever talked to my friends about it or it's been like a super big subject. I mean, the friends that I know who do, who have bought houses, obviously it was exciting, but it's not like we were like comparing real estate agents and experiences as I'm sure, you know, when you're more forties yeah. and forties and that's more of a topic of conversation. So, you know, yeah, I wouldn't say it's like in my immediate worldview or it's something that I'm talking about a lot with my mm-hmm. friends, but it is a topic that I think about. I mean, it's a conversation, you know, I've had with my boyfriend. It's a big goal of his sooner rather than later to at least have a, you know, investment property. And, and he's really interested in real estate. And for me, I'm like, I couldn't know less about it. So again, this conversation was very yeah. enlightening for me in a lot of ways, but, um, but it, it is funny because it's something, yeah, that I keep thinking, oh, that's so in the future, you know, that has nothing to do with me, but it's when you really think about how much you have to prepare, you know, just to know where I'm headed, I think it is, makes this conversation really helpful for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that you said your boyfriend's into investment properties. I mean, that's, I think I was like in my twenties and it was my, my older sister's good friend who I think owned. I may kind of make this up half a dozen, maybe more like studio and one bedroom. Wow. I mean, uh, so condos, condos, right? Like she, I mean, she, she was older than me, but like she turned real estate into this like insane business for herself that just generates income for herself every month. Again, that's like a totally different direction to go into with home buying, but like an investment property, something that can make you money back. I mean, even just buying a home for yourself. And that's why I'm so excited about this episode because we lay the foundation for like, why even buy a home? Like, it's such a huge expense. What is the importance? Why do it? Um, And we'll get into a lot of that with this episode. But yeah, I don't know. I, I Even this past year, like you said, the market was so crazy. I had friends looking to uh, either get a larger home for themselves and their families, uh, move from the city, get a single family house in the suburbs. And yeah, this market was just, I think this year is hard. It's almost like incomparable, <laughs> like from anything we've really? seen in, in recent years. But um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm so excited to sit down with these two experts. And like I said, hopefully answer a lot of those questions of the the why and the how and the, what that initial process is going to look like. So, well, what was the home buying process for you? Cause you've gone through this t- twice, right? Was it harder than you thought or easier or what? That's a great question. Both. So as we'll discuss, you get so much help, like from the people there to guide you, your real estate agent is kind of like your I don't know, you're like mentor throughout the whole process, especially like finding a real estate agent who knows your first time home buyer and can help you is, and like kind of hold your hand through the process is crucial. I would say I'm a, I'm a little bit particular of a buyer. I, uh, I'm shocked. Definitely had a (laughs) certain, I definitely had a certain like look and aesthetic I wanted for my home, like wood trim, a lot of natural light, uh, X number of bathrooms, X number of bedrooms, et cetera, a garage spot. But um, and we were looking in the city and this was, oh gosh, 2018, I think. So it was a very 
dare I say normal market, um, (laughs) wasn't overly competitive. So we didn't have that factor to worry about. And and we just kind of took our time. I remember the biggest thing was that you can only tell so much from listings. Like we would see a listing come in that seemed really promising. And then we'd go to look at it. And we realized the laundry was in the closet of the primary Wait, so the primary bedroom's closet. And that doesn't, like, it took up the whole closet. It was like the closet in the bedroom was actually a laundry closet and there was no other closet. And so yeah. that you had like a water heater and all this plumbing in your bedroom. And it, it was like, okay, that's not ideal. So like, you don't even, it, it's so hard to tell from a listing. So we saw so many units in person. That's what I remember. And yeah, but no, we got really lucky. We bought our house in April of 2020 and the market went, bonkers that summer. I especially, and I, I know there was like big rush to the suburbs in the Chicagoland area because of the pandemic and lockdown. People wanted more space in their homes and, and more outdoor space at their homes that a lot of people were leaving their smaller city dwellings for the, for the suburbs. But so we got in literally the month before the market went crazy. So I feel very lucky in that regard, but yeah, no, but it's amazing because like I said, I've done it twice. And I we did this interview with these two women who I'm about to introduce you to. And I learned so much again. And I'm like, how did I do this twice? And I'm still here learning. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited yeah, to know. So what you don't know that, you know, like there's what I got away from listening to the episode too, is that they share insights that it's not even just about like the basic process. They're kind of like, here's tips to like help the process to make it yeah. better, easier you know, whatever it is. So I'm sure that there's a lot of that, that even if listeners, you know, have bought a home before, that there's still a lot you can learn from it if you're going through the process again, which I think is so helpful. Like, it's honestly so helpful for me to hear someone like you who has gone through it in a, a, you know, even, you know, two times over your experience with it, because our generation is such like a unique perspective on home buying, because I feel like our parents' generation, it was very like, everybody goes and buys a house and, you know, it was kind of like the steps you buy a house before you have kids. Right, and right. It was like a right way to do things. And now our generation's obviously doing so many things differently. They're staying in cities longer. They're, you know, not buying houses. They're renting more. They're having kids before they move to a house. And so it's also different. And then you also see like the selling sunset shows where they're throwing out all these numbers and you're like, everything feels so overwhelming because there are so many options and it's not as easy, I feel like, as it maybe once was. I mean, I'm sure it was still so hard, but um, there was just so much out there. So even hearing from you who has gone through the process and isn't, you know, a billionaire on Selling Sunset, because that's the only knowledge <laughs> I have is watching the show, if you can't tell, because I keep bringing it up. But it really is helpful for me to be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like a normal thing that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something I do want. And, and you kind of like put it in your goals when you see someone else like you doing it. So I think even just right. having the conversation is helpful for me, who's nowhere near, you know, thinking about that step, but just to be able to, you know, look into, like I said, the five-year, 10-year, 20-year plan and and whether or not I want real estate to be part of it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So with all of that being said, for those of you listening, get ready because in today's episode, I am sitting down and talking with Emily Haddad and Giovanna Silva. They are two co-founders of the Olympus Group at Compass Real Estate based in Boston. Emily became a top 10% agent in the state of Massachusetts within her second year licensed. And Gia helped lead the operations and marketing of another top real estate team before co-founding the Olympus Group. So they both provided really interesting insights and broke down confusing topics in easy to understand ways. In this episode, we're going to talk about the benefits of home buying and when it's really worth it, the first steps you need to take, the nitty gritty of all the finances, and tips for a successful process. Think of this episode as your 101 guide to real estate coming from two top experts. I learned so much from this episode and I know you all will too. Welcome Emily Haddad and Gia Silva to the Every Girl Podcast. Before we get to the show, this week's review comes from the Molly Doll that said, okay, stop what you're doing and add the Every Girl to your podcast rotation. Each episode is inspiring and informative. The episode with Elisa Vitti was truly life-changing and empowering. Co-founders of Lake Pajamas episode gave me the juice and confidence I needed to approach my week with my head held high. Thank you. 
at The Molly Doll. Thank you so much for this wonderful review. Like I say, every single week, it means so much to us. We pour over your reviews. It helps us so much in figuring out what what you guys are loving to what we should give you more of. And I love that it gave you the juice for the week. Please DM us at the Every Girl Podcast on Instagram to collect your prize. And for everybody else, now that we are into October, the winners each week will be receiving a $50 Starbucks gift card so you can fuel your PSL obsession. So don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review to win next week and enjoy the conversation. Hello, Emily and Gia. Welcome to the Every Girl Podcast. I would love to start off if you'd both just take a minute to introduce yourselves to our listeners so they can get a sense for who is who and you know who's talking and just share a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your work, your expertise. Absolutely. Hello, listeners. I'm very excited for this episode. My name is Gia. I've been in real estate for roughly five years now where I started in the new development space. I worked for Dick Friedman at the Four Seasons One Dalton, which is actually the tallest residential luxury building in New England, which is pretty cool. From there, I spent three years working with one of Boston's top producing real estate teams. I helped them structure themselves in a way that they could scale from doing initially it was around 70 million a year to around the time I left, they were doing well over 750 million, which is absolutely insane. So (laughs) very excited to now be um, at Compass and be able to take all of those experiences that I had working with everyone from a first time home buyer to professional athletes on $300,000 deals to $50 million deals. So Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Gia. And Emily. Mic drop. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my name is Emily Haddad. I've been in real estate for eight years now. I started at 19 years old, managing new construction developments to becoming a licensed agent. My first year as an agent, I became one of the top producing agents in Massachusetts. And I've worked with first-time homebuyers to developers to setting a record sale horse farm. And now I'm lucky enough to be with Gia. We started our own team here at Compass for the Olympus Group, where we took our complementary skill sets and are just excited to put them to good use. Yes, yes. For all of you exactly. listening to this episode today. <laughs> well, I am so excited to sit and talk with both of you today because I feel like real estate in general like many things in life, can seem very overwhelming to someone who has never dipped their toe in it, to someone where, you know, buying a home or a a condo or a house or whatever it is seems like a pipe dream, like seems so far off. And it's like, I'm just thinking like investing, like if you take any industry that you don't know anything about, you're like, well, that's overwhelming. I don't even know how to get started. And I would love to use this space to really answer some frequently asked questions, spread awareness and information to everyone so that everyone feels like empowered and knowledgeable about really to break down that this process doesn't need to be so intimidating, that it is an attainable reality for everyone listening Mm -hmm. and how they can go about doing it. Like, I just want to like break down the intimidation factor. Kind of demystify it a little bit. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's the word that was stuck in my head. Yes. (laughs) Because it's not rocket science. It's really not. I promise. No, it's there's like a step by step. This is what's going to happen. It's it's not anything to to fear. Like your questions can get answered very easily, and I think sometimes it's just about taking that first step. So, which a lot of Absolutely. people sometimes don't know what is the first step. So, first and foremost, I would love to kind of address why we're talking about this. I'd love to hear about the importance of buying property, buying real estate, buying a home. You know, we had someone ask, is it okay if I just rent for the rest of my life? Like what's even the point of buying a home if renting seems easier? Can you shed some light on that? Yes. So the biggest thing with buying a home is that you're, you're paying your own rent. You're not paying somebody else's rent. You're buying a property that nobody is ever going to evict you. Nobody is ever telling you, hey, you can't change out that kitchen. Um, you can't swap that you know, second bedroom into another bathroom. It's your property that you can do whatever you want with it. But in addition, you're building equity. 
every month you're still paying, you know, whether it's a mortgage or whether you're paying rent. But with this, when you go to sell, you get money back. You're building equity. You're putting it into basically a savings account that one day you get back, which you're not going to get with renting. You know, is home, I should say, is home buying for everybody? Not necessarily. You know, you, people with who like to rent, they like the flexibility that they can break their lease. They can, you know, potentially pay two months and be out of there and they're gone versus home buying, you know, depending on what the market conditions are. You may put it on in the first week and it sells, or you may put it on and it may sit for a little bit. In addition, you know, when you rent, you have a landlord. Your landlord takes care of everything. The roof's leaking, the heating system stops working. Those expenses are on your landlord. Home buying, those unforeseeables that may just happen. There's a really bad storm or a, the seating system was 15 years old. My inspector said it could last, you know, 20 plus years and it just shit the bed. Hey, that's, that's on you, you know? So, um, having to, uh, prepare for those unforeseeables unforeseeables and, and improvements into a home, um, can be, you know, they may not be for everybody, but what do you, what do you think, Gia? If someone said, I'm going to rent forever. <laughs> I like to talk about equity because obviously, as, as Emily said, if you're paying rent, you're paying, you're making a payment monthly as is. Why not pay into your own equity? Because of course, there's an option of selling when you go to turn around and sell. Hopefully you're making a profit. If you've held onto the property for three plus years, likely you're making a profit. But let's talk about if you're going to buy property and you want to stay there forever. How does that benefit you? Why shouldn't I just rent? Well, when you're paying into your equity, you can actually take out a HELOC or as you might've also heard it called a home equity line of credit, which is like Emily said, a savings account. You can borrow against your asset, your property and take money out just like you do when you go to apply for a mortgage. They give you an interest rate. It depends on your credit. All of these you know, factors in your personal finance world. You can take that HELOC and that savings account and you can put it towards whatever you want. You could put it yes. towards co- a home kids college, home improvement, fixing up the kitchen. And then, you know, that's building even more equity for you or take it and buy another investment property. Um, yes. There's so many possibilities with building equity in, in a property. For me, I feel like everything I was always told was that the fastest way to grow wealth personal wealth, grow your own, not savings, but your own wealth is through owning property. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That for me was the biggest appeal. So the average property nationally appreciates 3% a year. Boston, for example, over the last two to three years has been averaging around eight to 10% a year. So if you, if you do the math, it's, that's just your appreciation. That's not taking into consideration. Have you done home improvements? Have you done an addition? You know, what, what value add have you put into things have you done? And also is the market demanding, you know, you could buy property in three years down the line. You're in a heavy seller's market. Like we just were last season and you could get an unprecedented number for your property. And like I said, I remember being in my twenties and the thought of buying a home one day just seemed so out of reach, right? Let's talk about the very beginning. So let's say you're at the point where this is something you want to think about, you want to start having conversations, or you've been saving, 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 and you think you're in a position to start the process. Where does one even begin? What is the first step? Where do you start as a first-time homebuyer? So you ask most people, they'll probably tell you to talk to a lender and get pre-approved, which is Definitely a very big and important first step when talking about purchasing a home. However, and this is probably going to sound like, well, of course you'd say that you're a real estate agent. Talk to a real estate agent. Talk to a few real estate agents. Interview them. Ask them how they like to communicate. Ask them about their experience. Ask them about a success story that they've had working with a buyer or a seller And kind of start to gauge like, how does this agent work? How do they operate? How are they going to prioritize me and my goals for for purchasing a home? Because it's not a one size fits all. Every agent is different. Even within 
Compass from, from agent to agent at Compass. There's completely different walks of life. And some people do full-time, some people do part-time. Some people have been doing this literally their entire life. Talk to a lender, I mean, an agent, get into their lender network and then start interviewing lenders to shop around rates. And the important part about speaking to an agent first is everybody's situation is different. So speaking to an agent who's resourceful and has seen everything, who has gone, you know, has worked with the buyer through, hey, I have bad credit or, hey, I don't have a lot of money to put down or, you know, or my parents are going to be gifting me some money or whatever their situation is, your agent will be able to best refer you to a lender that will fit your purpose. You know, if you're looking for new construction, there's certain lenders that don't do new construction. They can't pre-approve you for a loan. Yeah. There's some lenders that can't pre-approve you just based off of um, the building specs and say, okay, well, here's the specs. Here's a lot of land. This is what the builder is building me. You know, this is what I'm buying. Every lender kind of has their, their specialty or things that they can do. For example, again, with new construction, there are some loan officers that have, you can lock in a rate forever. That is unheard of, specifically for new construction. So if there's delays, 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 you don't want to keep paying for an extension on your rate lock. You want to go with somebody who says, hey, if it takes six months or 12 months, we're still going to give you that excellent rate when you first came into it. Then there's other lenders that we can refer you to that are the best situation for um, a first-time home buyer who have creative FHA, you know, three and a half percent down mortgage options, loan options, I should say, or they may say, I can actually, I can chime in here really quickly. Perfect example of this. And for all of you listening that reside in Massachusetts that have never purchased a home, listen up. Mass Housing this past week just announced a new program called the Mass Dreams Grant. It is up to $50,000 worth of completely forgivable funds that you can use for um, down payment, assistance, closing costs. What? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And only specific lenders have access to this program. Okay. So obviously, if you're a first-time home buyer, it's for properties that are single-family units, condo units, and multifamilies up to four units. Okay. And you have to be a first-time home buyer. You have to reside in specific towns in Massachusetts that are deemed um, disproportionately impacted by all the economic, you know, COVID situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that stuff. However, it could be a really awesome opportunity for somebody that's looking to purchase. And a home. that's just one example, right? That's just one example. Yes, there's like that. There's options out there. Yes, grants are your friend. You know, you want <clears throat> again speaking to an, an agent and having them set you up with a lender who's going to make sure that you get the best loan options on the market for you, who can get you grants, who can say, hey, but, oh, you live, in, you live in Quincy? Did you know that you can get $50,000 for free as a grant that you don't need to pay back? Or, oh, okay, you don't have wow. good credit. So here's, go with an FHA loan. You can have, you put 10% down, you can have as low as a 500 credit score. That's insane. So Speak to an agent. They can set you up with a lender. That lender will give you your best options. You may need a creative lender. You may need someone who specializes in new construction. You may need somebody who is perfect for a first-time home buyer. Or you may just be that perfect person with the perfect credit score putting 20% down. And we're <laughs> going to say to you, yeah, go with them because they have the best rate. Okay. All right. So hold on. This is so much information. I'm transporting myself <laughs> back to not knowing anything. And when I first... Okay. So I... Remember in my early 20s, I was considering, I was shopping for a condo with my sister. We were going to buy a place together. We end, that ended up never happening for life events that took place. But in that moment, I learned, I always thought 20% down that anything else wasn't even an option. I had never heard of an FHA loan. For those people listening who have never heard of that, can you quickly address what option that is that exists? And that is not a Massachusetts specific thing. This is a nationwide correct option. Correct. So FHA, um, you can put as little as three and a half percent down. FHA stands for? FHA stands for uh, Federal Housing Administration. And that is a loan 
option that you can put as little as three and a half percent down with a minimum of a 580 credit score. So that is for somebody who doesn't have a lot of cash to put down on a property and potentially doesn't have a great credit score. If you go up to putting as much as 10% down on a property, again, not 20%, but you go up to 10%, mm-hmm. you can have as low of a credit score as 500. So oh, wow. that's a phenomenal option for somebody you know, to exercise. But you can also do as little as 5% down if you do have a good credit score. And that would be a conventional loan. And that conventional loan will be a better interest rate than an FHA loan. And then really getting into it, really getting creative. If you don't have that 5% down, say you have the 3.5%, but you you do have a good credit score. So you want to put 5% down so you can get that better interest rate. You can negotiate closing credits from the seller. So the seller can actually assist you with putting that money down so you do get that higher, that better interest rate. Hold on. I know. Say I that just, again. <laughs> I just, okay. So I'm a buyer who has, you know, doesn't have a great, doesn't have an 800 credit score, but I have a pretty good credit score, but I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of money. I have, you know, I'm buying a, just to use round numbers, I'm buying a $500,000 house. So if I need to put 5% down, that's 25,000. But say I don't quite have that 25,000, I have, Ten thousand dollars. So my lender is like, okay, well, if you can come up with another fifteen thousand, you can go up to a conventional loan because you have the good credit and you can have a much better interest rate. I may negotiate with the the seller. Hey, this house has been sitting on the market for a little bit. Give you your five hundred thousand that you're asking for, but I want a credit of fifteen thousand dollars towards my closing. That is going to go towards my down payment or go towards my closing cost. But essentially, I'm at a difference of. 15,000 or it could be 5,000 or it could be Mm 10,000. Another option is even if the house is on the market for 500,000 and me saying, okay, I'll offer you $515,000, but I want that $15,000 towards my loan. That is something that your agent can help you navigate and negotiate um, and putting that in your offer because that could be the difference of, I mean, right now, Interest rates are flirting with around 6%. But that's the difference between you getting a 5% loan or a 6% loan. And over 30 years, that is going to make a big difference than that $15,000. Right. And what you're paying. And what you're paying. Exactly. But those are just two examples. There's also programs, I know in Massachusetts, I know in the rest of the country, you can put as little as 0% down. And the state actually takes a subordinate loan for that 3.5%. So if you're doing an FHA loan, of three and a half percent, the state will take a secondary loan for that three and a half percent. So you really have three and a half percent down loan, and then the state will actually give you that secondary loan. But altogether, you're putting zero dollars down to obtain a house, and it still might be the most affordable option. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So just to kind of summarize, step one, you're going to want to find a realtor that fits your needs. And your needs could be first-time homebuyer, first-time homebuyer without a lot to put down, first-time homebuyer struggling with a low credit score. I mean, you definitely need to, as you're saying, don't just sign up with the first friend referral that comes your way through Facebook or whatever it is. Sure, meet with them, but try and meet with others as well to find the person who has the knowledge and experience that fits your situation, really. Yeah, exactly. So that's step one. And then step two, once you've kind of laid everything out, found a good fit with a realtor, start talking to them about lender options. Correct. Correct. Because there's more than just, you don't just go with, just like you don't go with the first realtor, you don't go with the first lender. I think that's a very common mistake. I remember thinking like, okay, realtor suggested this lender. Okay. We're pre-approved. I guess we're good to go. And it was my husband who's like, no, no, no. We're going to talk to other lenders, see if we can get a better rate. Like I didn't even think shopping for a lender was a thing. Can you speak to that a little bit and what that means? Like you've already kind of addressed that different lenders can and cannot do certain types of loans, can have you know access to certain grants, won't do new construction. Like there's all these kind of like different situations that you can run into with lenders. Can you mm-hmm. kind of speak to what shopping around lenders means? Like you don't just have to go with the lender your realtor suggests. You can find alternatives. Absolutely. Oftentimes when your agent refers a lender, 
it's because we've worked with so many lenders Mm -hmm. on the buying and the selling side. So we know the lenders that are going to get it closed. And we also, in a competitive market, you want to work with a lender that when you submit an offer with that pre-approval letter, it carries weight. It's, oh, they're working with guaranteed rate. They're the number one loan officer in the country. They have an amazing track record. That instills confidence in the seller to go with your loan versus going with a bank or a, you know a lender that no one's ever even heard of. You yeah. know, are they going to get it closed? Are they going to do it? You know, I called them, called the lender to verify this pre-approval. They can't even get back to me. You know, <clears throat> it instills that confidence. So another another great tool is working with a mortgage broker. So they do the shopping around for you. So a broker, okay. just like a real estate broker, it's the professional, the one who's in that industry, who knows how Mm -hmm. to best advise you and to set you up with the best bank, the best loan. So they take all your information, perhaps your poor credit score, perhaps, you know, why has your bank account been negative? Or, hey, um, I just got a deposit of $50,000. Where did that come from? How can they spin that to then make it, you know, in a positive light when they bring you to a bank to get that loan? Okay. So they have already seen everything that you have in your bank, your financial statements, your credit score. And they look at the big picture and go, okay, this is the best option for you. These are the banks that we're going to go after. We're going to see who's going to give you the best loan option, the best interest rate for you, given your Mm -hmm. circumstance that we've massaged and and spun Mm -hmm. and and made look most positive. They're kind of selling you. They're like selling selling you to lenders. Thousand percent, one thousand percent. So you don't say the wrong thing. You don't, you know. They, oh my gosh, they that's me. me I'm that. like so honest and just like, oh, yeah, that yes. Is. You don't want to be too honest. <laughs> no, I'm it, not it a salesman. Thousand percent. So they will do that and then give you your the best loan option for you. You know, after shopping it around to a lot of banks or lenders that they have their relationships with. Kind of similar if you've ever gone to purchase a car at right. a dealership, probably you'll you know, they'll do the credit application, then they go back to the office, they submit everything, and they're shopping rates for you to get you the best rate so that you walk off a lot or drive off a lot with that car. So they're going to tell you, oh, I, you know, you've got a 14% interest rate over at this bank, but with DCU, 10%. That's shopping rates for a car. It's very similar. And for those people listening who maybe you have your 20% down, you've been saving for years, you have your 20% down, you have a great credit score. Which shout out to you because that's amazing <laughs> and not easy. Yeah, no, seriously. But let's say you're you're in a position where you are like just feeling really confident and ready to go do this. This is again where advice I want to make sure people are taking away from this conversation is don't just take that first number you're given. Like, yes, it's so exciting to hear you've been approved. You've been approved for the dollar amount you want and they're going to give you X rate. Don't just say, okay, thank you. Take that rate and go talk to other lenders and say, hey, listen, X bank is giving me this rate. I've been approved. Can you do better than that? You might save half a percentage point. I mean, that's significant. Mm-hmm. You might save like a 10th of a percentage point, but any- and all that up. Yes, over the years and over over paying it off. So I think the clear takeaway here is that no matter your situation going into the home buying process, talking with your real estate agent and learning about all of your different loan and financing options is is where you're going to want to start. And so that you can go into looking for a home, which is such a fun, exciting time, like armed with all of your information about your budget and what you can afford. Yeah, absolutely. Things that you can avoid doing when you're buying a home is taking out additional credit card debt. (laughs) Please do not get another credit card. Even though (laughs) if you're buying a house and you're like, great, I'm so excited to furnish it. So you go to Jordan's Furniture and you're like 0% interest. So I'm going to order all my furniture. So the day I close, I'm, you know, it's going to be fully furnished. Don't do that. Don't Don't do do that. that. Do that the day after you close. After the day after, day after, by all means, pick out your furniture. Do whatever you have want. that order slip ready, and as soon as you close, then do it. Do not do it before. Same thing goes for Home Depot. When you're like, <laughs> I'm going to do all of these projects, and I'm going to, you know, order the siding now, and I'm going to take out that loan or appliances. So many people buy appliances ahead of time. When you run your credit or you add additional debt to you prior to closing, that affects your loan. Don't do Got it. Got it. What are the other do nots? This is great. No credit cards. 
Don't go buying a car. Don't do it. Like another thing, you know, I get it. New, new home, new car, new you, but there's an order in which you do that. It's home, then you, then car. Another, you know, do not speak to your lender about this, but switching jobs. You know, some people go from, you know, they're, they've been working at a job, even in the same company, and they're switching from a salary base to commission. You know, the numbers will make sense. It's the same job, but they're, um, they're changing the pay structure and you mm-hmm. could be getting more money. But switching from, from salary to commission base actually changes everything. Even if you're like, okay, I'm in the real estate capacity. I'm working for a management you know, company, but now I'm going to go off and start my own management company. Even being in the same space, it's completely different. Being self-employed, that can affect you. Um, you being able to get a loan. The other thing is even getting a raise, which sounds crazy. Yes. (laughs) You'd think it'd be a great thing. You'd think, how could that hurt me? I'm making more money. But it's a change and it may, you know, all things, anything to do with taking on debt, change in how you make money, Mm -hmm. speak to your loan officer before you do anything. Hey, can I take out this credit card? They're going to say no. (laughs) Uh, Hey, can I, you know, I'm thinking about changing jobs or I got, you know, offered a new job. Can I do that? Speak to them before you make a move, especially if you're in the middle of, you've already had your um, offer, your offer accepted and you're closing on this house. Might be a little different if you haven't identified that property yet and you're still in the, you know, I'm three to four months out from buying a place. Speak to your loan officer. Um, but once you're in that like offer accepted, you're going to be moving into that underwriting clear to close phase. No yes, big financial changes. No, but yes, exactly. And and even just going on that big bachelorette, you know, party weekend, you don't want to do that. And and take you're still See, you're using this exactly. Yeah. You're using the same credit card. You're not taking out a credit card, but you know, you have a $10,000 limit and you always float around 1500 and then all of a sudden it goes up to 7000 yeah. and now you're above that comfortable 30%, you know, debt on that credit card. You don't want to do that either. So just be, a, be that perfect citizen. <laughs> Everything stays the same. No, you know, no lavish expenses. Keep the same job. And then as soon as you close, do whatever you want. That is so awesome to hear. And again, something I never, ever would have known or thought of in that early home buying process. Like, okay, pre-approved, good to go. I I wouldn't think twice about like, those are my finances. What's the difference if I go on an expensive trip right now or not? And like every, you know, large dollar amount change on your credit, on your debt, all of that like impacts that underwriting process, that clear to close step that happens between being pre-approved and getting the keys to that house, like having that loan come through from the bank. So absolutely. That is really, really helpful for people to hear. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. I think before we dive into talking about the fun part about like looking for home, what to look for, investments, (laughs) whatnot, I think if we can give our listeners a very high overview of that timeline, I think we've touched on a lot of it already, but just kind of like to review. Okay. Step one is talking with a realtor. Step two is figuring out the budget and the finances. And that's going to mean working with your realtor, working with a number of lenders to see what your financing options are. What's step three, all the way to closing on the house and getting the keys. What's going to be that process? Uh, I, I know lawyers involved at some point. I know the underwriting's involved. I know you mentioned escrow. Can you put that all in like a nice typical Very timeline people can expect? <laughs> Gia, do you want to take this or? Yeah. So once you're pre-approved, you know what you can afford. We can go out there and shop with confidence, start searching around for properties, which is like you just said, fun <laughs> yeah. part for the most part. It's <laughs> supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be. Yes. It's the fun part. When you go to put an offer in on a property, your agent is going to literally, this is where they're going to shine. So they're going to talk through your options. They're going to work with you to put an offer together send it over to the listing agent on this property that you've identified. Once your offer is accepted, hooray, we're getting a house. Can't wait. Once your offer is accepted. The panic sets in. (laughs) No, I remember it was like, cool, we got the house. (laughs) What did we do? Are we buying a house? Oh my gosh. If you're doing a home inspection, a radon inspection, pest inspection, um, any sort of due diligence that's typically done within the first 
five to 10 days once your offer has been accepted, because we want to know as quickly as possible, are we moving forward with this deal? Are we signing the purchase and sale on this deal? And is it going to close? So even though your offer is accepted and that sounds amazing, it's so exciting. You want to make sure it's the house that you're you're buying, that the thing's not going to crumble, that it's not going to, you know... The termites aren't eating away. It's not impressive with termites and it doesn't need a new roof and a new boiler and a new pool and, you know, things that are way out of the budget. We have to do that due diligence to make sure that this is the right purchase for you and your goals and what you're trying to accomplish with, with the So purchase. schedule a home inspection. Okay. Yes. Offer accepted, home inspection, everything's good. You're going off to, to purchase and sales. So purchase and sales drafted by your attorney. So when you're working with an agent, they just like they can recommend lenders to you, they can recommend attorneys. Mm -hmm. That is another thing. When you're working with an attorney, just like a lender, you communicate a lot. You're putting a lot of faith in them to get the legal aspect of the transaction. To protect you. Absolutely. They're they're vouching for you just like as your agent, we're vouching for you. So you want to kind of interview you know, attorneys just the same and kind of figure out their communication style, their background, their experience. Some attorneys, just like lenders, might be very well-versed in new construction. And I want that Mm -hmm. attorney. I want that attorney that has gone through a significant amount of new construction transactions, closed them, and also got over whatever obstacles arose in those instances. That's who I want if I'm buying new construction. So kind of, you know, interviewing the attorney, they're going to put together the purchase and sale agreement with the seller's attorney. So they kind of go back and forth. The agents are involved, making sure that everybody's on track. We're on time. Things are getting done. Communication is happening. Anything that was agreed upon in the offer is being translated into the purchase and sales. Any post inspection, um, agreements, things came up and we're saying, Hey, you're going to fix that. Or, Oh, you're going to give us a credit for that. That is also translated into the purchase and sales. We haven't disappeared. Right. Right. (laughs) We're, we're very involved in the background of, of all of that, um, with Mm -hmm. the lenders, the purchase and sale, once that is signed, that's, really when you can start celebrating because it's like, okay, we're, we're locked and loaded. I've put my purchase and sale deposit down. That's in escrow. And from here on out, there's just a lot of boxes to check off on the seller's side to close the transaction. Nothing that you as a buyer are responsible for, like the smoke inspection, the appraisal. So making sure that your, your mortgage is justified and that's going to go through final water readings, Mm -hmm. all of those fun things. If you're in a municipality, your final light bill, those are all things that are done from the purchase and sale to the closing. And that's typically 30, 45 days, would you say? Average? It varies widely depending on the trade. Definitely varies and definitely depends on on the seller. So all the while, while this is happening, the legal, the inspection, as soon as you get that offer accepted, you're sending that right off to your your lender. You're saying, hey, we got to get this going. We got to, you know, chop, chop. We have a tight timeline. What do you need from me? You send them over, you know, the the accepted offer. Once you have the purchase and sales, you send that to them as well. Um, copy of the deposit check with the offer as well as the copy of the deposit check when you, um, at purchase and sales, they order the appraisal. Um, so the appraiser comes out, appraises the property, Fingers crossed it's at least for what your you the purchase price is, or else you know you're coming back to renegotiate that. And then also doing the the title check. So they run the title. Your attorney will do a title exam, make sure that there's no blemishes on it, that it's clear and marketable, meaning that there's no liens on it, that when you take ownership, that's then passed on to you. That in fact the seller does own it. We've actually had We've had crazy situations, but clear and marketable title. And then, which usually comes right after purchase and sales and right before closing. And then, you know, the inspector did his thing. The, the attorney wrote up the purchase and sales, did their thing. The lenders in the background doing their underwriting and um, appraisal and title exam. And then you get your commitment and you're clear to close. Yeah. And I remember you show up and you have 
more paper put in front of you than you've ever seen. Oh, yes. But I mean, I think the clear takeaway here is that it's not just working with a real estate agent, right? Like there are so many people involved. Like it is a big team effort that gets you from to buy to buy your home, you know, whatever, whether it's your first home, whether it's your 10th time doing this. Like Mm -hmm. it is this team of people that are needed and your real estate agent are going to be hugely instrumental in helping connect you with all of these different people. Like, you know, I didn't have a real estate attorney, but guess who did? My realtor suggested that she had a great attorney for us to work with. Even beyond the people that are involved in the transaction. I mean, if you own your property right now, if you need an electrician, odds are no matter how long ago you closed, you could call up your real estate agent and be like, hey, how's it going? By the way, do you have an electrician that you can recommend <laughs> a me plumber. or a landscaper or a plumber or somebody to repaint your nursery or whatever it is? We are such an insane resource for all of these, all of these different industries. Mm-hmm. So don't discount that aspect of working with an yeah. agent because even after you close, yeah, it, they're even so helpful. Like all, oh, yeah, I, I, it was. You can't. I couldn't have gone through the process without one. But um, it takes a village. It totally. So does. that was so helpful. I think we have a really clear picture of the steps. Let's quickly address all those costs. That inspection costs Cost. money. The attorney Cost. costs money. <laughs> the clear to close. The closing costs. I remember was a what? What? Wait, I have my down payment. What's all this other money I need? Mm-hmm. Can you give some high level estimates or like a pro- like ranges? What can people expect to pay in an inspection? What's the typical Absolutely. attorney rate when you're buying a home? What are these closing costs people hear about? So in the um, timeline of what you're, what you're spending, what the costs are, when money is due. Mm-hmm. So First of all, when you're you're working with a buyer's agent, 95% of the time you're not you're not paying for us. Let's put that out there. The seller pays us. You're, there's no upfront cost to hire us to start working together. But you've identified a property, you've gotten your offer accepted. With the offer accepted, you're usually putting a thousand to five thousand dollars down. That's typically the rule of thumb. If you want to, you know, be more aggressive and, and show that you're more put more skin in the game, you're putting $5,000 down, possibly even more. But usually $1,000 is the rule of thumb up to $5,000. That's your earnest money, correct? That is your earnest money. Yes. Thank you. Um, <laughs> very yeah, good. No, very it's good. like you're putting in an offer and aren't you like, do they have to first accept? When do you hand over that, let's say $1,000 earnest money? They accept the offer and you send them in. Usually when you get you send, them a check, like immediately. I remember it's immediately. like- Immediately. Yeah. Sh- I remember my realtor like driving <laughs> to pick up a check like that yes. night. I'm like, oh, yes. okay. The offer isn't bound unless there's a dollar amount being put in escrow to solidify. And take this it. Isn't back Got it. Okay. That's Three, earnest money at the very beginning. Thousand to 5,000. Then from offer to purchase to purchase and sales, you will be paying for- your inspection. So it depends on how large the um, the home is, how mm-hmm. in depth the inspection is. If you're doing a Title V, which is for a septic system, if you want to get the well checked, if you want to do pests um, and termites, if you want to do a radon test, typically if you just do a general home inspection, it's around four to six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Again, largely depending on the size of the home. Right. Um, a radon test is usually an additional two to two fifty. Um, if it's a massive property, you can you can spend up to three thousand dollars on an inspection. Yeah. Yeah. But I would always typically under a thousand, another thing that you can shop around, but you want to go with the inspector that you trust because you want to make sure you know what, what's going on with the home. Yeah. From there you go to um, your purchase and sales. Rule of thumb is 5% of the purchase price, less the amount you put down for the offer. So if it's $20,000 down that you're putting at PNS or 20,000 is the, the 5%, it's less the $1,000 or $5,000 that you put at the offer. So total between offer and PNS is 5% down. Again, typically. That's your down cons- payment. That is not your down payment on the purchase of the property, but your your earnest money, your uh, purchase and sales down payment. So you have 
you have your offer, which is thousand to five thousand. You have your mm-hmm. PNS, which is five percent less whatever you put down with the offer. That money gets put towards your down payment. So you're not putting five percent down there, and then you're putting an additional, for example, five percent down at closing. That goes towards it. God, oh, I forgot about that. Truly, yes, That's what I'm yep. I've done this twice. <laughs> I forgot about that. That money gets put towards your down payment. Um, so if you're buying the home, you're only putting 5% down, you put 5% down in your purchase sales, all that money is just going right to the down payment of the property. Okay. Um, then you have your your appraisal fee. So your only upfront cost with the lender is the appraisal. Everything else you pay, you pay for at the closing. So that's the only mm-hmm. money that, for instance, the, the deal falls apart, you're not getting that money back. The appraisal can be around... Six to eight hundred dollars. Um, sometimes, if you're to get the deal done, you you're saying that you're going to close in three weeks or thirty days. You may pay for a rushed appraisal, which you're around here. You're paying an additional two hundred dollars to rush that appraisal to get that appraisal back, so you can stay within your timeline mm-hmm. of closing. Again, only money that you're you're not going to see back. Then you have your closing costs. So your closing costs are your attorney fees the attorney that represents the the closing as well as your purchase and sales. Um, that can be anywhere from fifteen to usually $3,000. You have title insurance. You have your origination fee, your title fee. Sorry, your title <laughs> insurance. I'm laughing because it's, yeah, this was the stuff I did not know about. These are all the, the, um, the closing costs are, are your your lender fees, plus your attorney fees, plus all yeah. your legal fees. However, one thing that's really, really helpful that everybody should do is when they get an offer accepted on a property, mm-hmm. or even right before they're thinking about submitting an offer, have them call their lender and say, hey, I'm thinking about buying this property. Can you tell me what my approximate closing costs yeah. are going to be? And most lenders will be able to give you that breakdown and also asterisk which Closing costs may mm-hmm. be very, may vary. Um, yeah, because you, they you don't know which attorney you're going to pick. Their their prices range. Um, your mortgage insurance that might range a little bit, but you can get a ballpark idea with numbers for each line item of what you're going to pay. And then you go to the closing and you put whatever additional money you're um, to for the down payment. So right. you have your five percent that you've already put down. Then say you're putting ten percent down, you. For um, and you're taking a loan for ninety percent, so you're taking and putting down an additional five percent, right. and then plus your closing costs. Closing right. costs are usually one to two percent of purchase price. Right. Okay. So again, for everyone listening, closing costs are they add up? If we're talking in, in the they thousands do. between the attorney and the title and, and the lender fees, all of that, and that is on top of the money you have planned for your down payment. Again, something I remember very clearly not knowing about when I was like, okay, I have this money saved for this down payment, and then I don't know who I spoke to, a parent or someone, and it was like, oh no, no, there's, there's, you need more than that. <laughs> and, and so more. that was there's definitely more. something that I did not know no, about wait. at the time. That I want to make sure everyone. Some of those closing costs are really just prepayment costs though. So you're prepaying your taxes or you're prepaying, mm-hmm. um, you know, two months of your mortgage. So you may just, it sounds like a lot of money, but it's upfront. Yeah. Upfront, but then you don't have a payment for two months. Right. Right. Yeah. We actually just received money back, uh, because our taxes went down from what we had prepaid. So when we bought oh. this home, yeah. Right. Who's ever heard of taxes going down? <laughs> it's a good thing. But you know, we, when we closed on the house, we paid for taxes up front and then, oh, got this check in the mail and that was the money that we had overpaid at the beginning. So case in point, you get paid to buy a house. (laughs) (laughs) Look at that. Well, listen, this has been so, so helpful with all of the like facts and numbers and how to's and the order of things. I would love, love, love. I would be so remiss to not ask you while I have you here on some general advice and guidelines, like that advice about choosing the home, right? That fun part that we were talking about what to look for when buying a home. I think that's another part that aside from the money can be really intimidating, like feeling confident that you're making the right decision. Am I buying a place because I like it and it works perfectly for me? Or do I need to be thinking about resale and considering this as an investment? I think in many ways that can take some of the fun out of it. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I love this home, but 
you know, maybe I'm, it's a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, but, or we're going to outgrow it in a few years. Can you shed some light on how you would advise clients approach, you know, what to definitely consider when buying a home? Like, what are the things that you really shouldn't ignore? Because it can be intimidating to make those decisions. Yes. (laughs) I think before we even dive into this answer, the number one piece of advice I would give to anybody who's looking to purchase a home now or at any point in the future, just be open-minded. Be open-minded. I'm going (laughs) to say it twice because not all properties are going to have the same quality photos. Some properties are going to be a turnkey. Some properties are going to need a lot of love, but working with, and again, this is where it comes back to working with an agent that knows their shit, right? I know my girl, Emily over here can look at a property <laughs> and very comprehensively break down for me. Okay, rip it apart. I want <laughs> Just rip it apart. <laughs> <laughs> I consider, I want to buy this property that it looks like it needs work. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what it needs. And literally just based on the pictures, we can go through, okay, paint, new knobs for the cabinets in the kitchen, refinish the hardwood floors, drop some sheer drapes on your your sliders, and a property can look- A million times better. For cheap money. For very mm-hmm. cheap money. Right, right, cheap right. Cheap money. Yes. Yes. And I feel like it's so easy to get overwhelmed with- the product, seeing what's on the market and being like, oh, I don't like any of this for what I do like. It's way out of my budget. And you can get discouraged. Mm-hmm. You can get like really frustrated with not seeing what I want to see for what I want to see mm-hmm. it for price-wise. Uh, be open-minded. thousand percent <laughs> be, being open-minded. And in addition to that, write down your real estate goals. What are your goals? Are you looking for a place that is going to fit a lifestyle? You know, do you want, do you care more about your commute? You don't want to commute far versus having space, you know, or can you take, can you go 20 minutes outside of the city and get a lot more space in a yard for your dog? Um, but you're going to be dealing with the commute. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at it like, is this an investment? Of course it's an investment. This is the largest, more often than not, the largest purchase that you've ever made. And you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. Don't take that lightly. Don't just look at something that's pretty. You know, oh, look at the beautiful white kitchen and the beautiful white walls and the refinished hardwood floor. That's awesome. But don't look past how old is the roof? How old are the windows? How old is the heating system? All of those mechanical. What are the that, schools like? <laughs> what are the schools like? You know, location. <laughs> location. What is this? Street like location, location, location. Go to like the Google Street View of a property to see what are you looking mm-hmm. at out your front windows. What's next? To you? Do you have sidewalks? Is there a gas station on the end of the street, or do you have? Is it a dead end neighborhood of the cul-de-sac? Location is super important. Location, location, location. And what are your real estate goals? Are you going to be here for? two years, five years, 10 years? Mm -hmm. Can you go with something that's not everything that you've ever dreamed of, but you're only going to be there for two years and it's a great investment and it's close to your work and you can save a ton of money and then potentially even rent it out when you move out or take out that HELOC loan and then go and buy another place? Is it worth sucking it up for two years? Or is Mm -hmm. this your forever home that you're going to be starting a family and schools is the number one driver and Mm -hmm. commute or figuring out your real estate goals. That's that's it. And aligning yourself with a team that is going to help you achieve that and being open-minded. You know, you can take down wallpaper. It's not, it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. But if it's got great mechanicals and it's a great, you know, great location, great, everything's been done, but it's just an older, you know, older couple that didn't cosmetically updated, but everything in that house is meticulously taken care of. I would have my buyers look at that versus the, you know, the potential flip that all they did was a new kitchen, new baths, and everything else is yeah. falling apart, that you're yeah. going to be inheriting the that problem. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like that is such an important takeaway is because I, gosh, my friends, my family, anyone who's gone through the home buying process myself is the hard truth of you're not going to get everything on your wish list. So prioritize your wish list. Like what are those top 
two, three, four items because what are your non-negotiables? Yes, the non-negotiables because ultimately you're going to have to end up with a few things that were not on your wish list. I mean, I could say this house, we have no mudroom. We have a front-facing garage, like things I really didn't want, but we got so much of what we did want. And those were the more important things. And everyone I know who's bought a house, it's like, yeah, you you know, you have to give to, to get. So what are the non-negotiables? What are the top priorities? I think that's a really important lesson. Yeah. And the open mind. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, we are running out of time. If you had one last piece of advice, common lesson learned, common, you know, frequently asked question, what's one key takeaway you have for everyone listening today? What would it be? Don't tell yourself you can't buy a house. Just start there. And even if you're like, I have debt, I have bad credit, I, totally fine. Still talk to an agent, still talk to a lender and find out what the steps that you need to do to put yourself in a position to be able to buy a place. So you can take the next six to 12 months strategically getting yourself ready to buy a place. So you can start making money. You can start building equity. You can set yourself up for your future. I honestly would have to agree. You can't ever be too prepared. There's no such thing as being too ahead of the ball. Talk to an agent, even if you think, I'm not even going to think about buying something for five years. Number one, how do you know? How do you know? (laughs) And number two, just talk to somebody and start strategizing so that when you do go to buy, you can be in the best possible position to do so. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Even when I look back at that purchase that never happened with my sister, like I learned so much in that process. I didn't go on to buy a home for like, God, five, six, seven years after that. But I, just because I was involved in that process and I, I learned so much and had questions, I was able to start making the steps that did eventually down the road make that first home buying process happen. So this has been so amazing. Thank you so much. I know it is such a vast topic. When we first met, we were like, okay, really where is. do we even begin to dive into this? But I feel like this was so helpful in laying a foundation of understanding about what the process looks like, what the key first steps are for people to take. I so appreciate you both coming on. Thank you so much, Emily and Gia. Thank you. Absolutely. And anyone can reach out to us anywhere in the nation. We're happy yes, to help people absolutely. literally anywhere. We have a huge network of of agents all across the country that we can refer people to. So if we can help them in the home buying process or we can set them up with the right agent to, to meet their goals, we'd have we'd be happy to do that. Thank you. Let us let us know where can people find you online, website, social. How's the best way to find you? Instagram, slide in those DMs. We <laughs> welcome it. Um, you know, email, phone, whatever. What are the handles? So I am at emily.e.hadad and Gia. I am Giovanna Silva. One word, first last name. Awesome. We will put those in the show notes and and tag you on social as well. Thank you so much, ladies. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.